All right, we're going to make it back to our seats. Um, yeah, we can make it back to our seats and um, we have a little announcements here and then we'll, we'll have Bill come on down in a moment. But yeah, if we take a look at the, the, uh, the announcements, you know, a lot of the, the same things are happening. We're going to have our weekly prayer meeting this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Um, if you, if you usually attend the prayer meeting, if you could just um, come to me, maybe after service, just want to connect real quick uh, about some things. Um, that'd be great if you could do that. Women's ministry is coming up to be determined. Men's breakfast, January 30th. Yeah. So stay tuned for more details, but I'm assuming we're, we're most likely going to have it here due to the cold, you know. Unless we get a warm spell. Or we want to just bundle up. You know, we could do a little outdoor fire thing again. Um, flourish in Fellowship, Women's Discipleship via Zoom. That's the second and fourth Thursday of every month at 8.30. So you guys can do the math on that one when that's coming up. I guess that would be next Thursday, I think. Um, and so those are, yeah, some of those are uh, our main details. I can't think of uh, any other major announcements outside of thank you so much for people that were partnering financially to help out with the soundboard. So this week we have a new soundboard. So just be gracious to us as we are trying to figure out uh, all the little details. For example, Doug, I, I feel like I might have a little bit of an echo, but that could just be me, which probably is. All right, all right. I'm also standing underneath the, the echo spot. So yeah, thank you so much for those that are, were contributing, and thank you so much for those that came out, came on out, whatever day of the week it was, I think it was a Monday, just running wires and things like that, and that's really a big clap for uh, Doug Deach in the back there. He's a part of a nonprofit called Vikings for Jesus, if you want to uh, join. That was a joke, but... Thank you, thank Doug, because he's like the mastermind behind this. And then of course, uh, also Pastor Josh. Who is helping out a lot? So uh, obviously, and so they're they're figuring all the tech stuff, which is awesome. So if we have Bill come on down. We're gonna uh, take our offering, and of course, for those that are home or here, here are the various ways in which we can give. Um, and uh, we deeply appreciate uh, all of your giving. Um, in the next month or so, um, the treasurer, Annabelle. And myself will do the lovely task of, of printing out all the tax return stuff you know, for those of you who have given um, to help out with Uncle Sam, right? So we'll be doing that. So I know we're a small church, but we have things together, right, with that stuff. So we'll, we'll have that together for you. I'll be going out in the mail or we'll just hand it to you either one in the next month about. Um, if you need that earlier, you can let us know. But most people wait through January. But here is Mr. Bill. Thank you. Praise God. Happy New Year, everybody. Praise God. I'm looking forward to what the Lord has in store. I don't know about you, but it's going to be good. It's going to be good. <laughs> it's on the way. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is, is showing us that what he has in store for us is so good, we can't contain it. We're going to be leaping and jumping. Glory to God. I can't wait. Okay, I got a wonderful scripture verse for you today. You'll find it in Proverbs 4. God is telling us, he says, pay attention to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your mind. 
for they are life unto them that find them and their health to all of our flesh. That's how powerful the words are. His word is. And all we need to do is take it in. Take it in. If we would just allow ourselves to take in his word, we would see amazing changes take place day to day. And the people that we come in contact with also sense that there's something different about you and I. But we need to take the first step. Just start reading what you can read. Start memorizing a verse here and there. And the Lord will do the rest. The Holy Spirit will work in you and begin to develop you. Your faith will grow. And before you know, you'll be talking to total strangers. But you can start with your own family. You know, that's a wonderful place to start. Start with a neighbor that you know, a friend, somebody you work with. Even if it's a word like God bless you, or just God told me to tell you he really loves you. And I do that all the time. I don't say thank you anymore when I'm in a store or a supermarket. I say God really loves you. And they'll say, oh, that's nice. No, I really mean it. He really does love you. And they'll say, and they'll stop. They'll be like, they'll just be mesmerized. But that's, this is what God can do in each and every one of us if we'll just allow him. So let's, so let's do it. Let's, let's go forth in the name of our Lord Jesus and see what happens. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are just so blessed, so blessed, Lord, to know that you are there meeting all of our needs. We are just so blessed. We thank you, Lord for bringing us through this year and blessing us and watching over us, bringing us, bringing us through these trials, Lord. Father, we lift up these tithes and offerings to you, Lord, in, in gratitude. We are so blessed that you have provided us with the tithes and an offering and a gift before you because we know it all comes from you. We're just giving back a little bit of what you've given us, and we are so grateful, Lord, that you do much with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Bill. All right. Um, I was just, just kind of feeling in the spirit. Ruth, could you come down and just kind of pray over the message and what have you? I was just... Feeling that. Feeling that, yeah. Just feeling that. Feeling it in the ghost. Why don't y'all just stretch your hands out towards Pastor Dave? Father, we just thank you that you have called Dave for such a time as this, that you have intentionally placed him here for this season, that you have put the word in his heart. And it is a good word. It is a good word. So, Father, we just ask that you be, uh, he's just your mouthpiece, God. You pour in, out, and through him, Father, and we just want to receive. So, Father, prepare him. Pour out your Holy Spirit on this word, God. And, for, Lord, for each one of us, prepare our hearts because we want the seed of your word to fall on good soil so that it doesn't just take root, but it produces a crop. It produces fruit that's a hundredfold, what we take in even today, that it would just continue to grow. So, Father, we just thank you. We just thank you for your spirit. We just thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you. All right, let's, uh, let's open to Romans 5. Okay, we're begin there today. And, uh, you know, this is the, obviously the first Sunday of the year. And um, 
whew, there's a lot to process in 2020, huh? Would you agree? Or, yeah, okay, I would agree. Yeah. A lot to process in 2020. And it's like, okay, well, you know, was there a lot to process in 2021? And I just felt like the Lord was just saying, you know, let's just, just let's get together. Just me and the Lord, just coming to him and just hearing what he wants to say about the year 2021 for Bristol Hope Assembly. And I, I believe actually is really like a prophetic word in some regards uh, for the church at large. And uh, yeah, it's coming out of Romans 5, which is not necessarily the battle plan I would want necessarily for 2021, but it's about what the Lord was giving me, all right? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I like that. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I'm in. I like that as well. I really like that. And not only that, oh boy, here we go. But we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Hmm. So what we have here is right, this beautiful understanding uh, that, okay, that Paul is saying to the Romans that, oh my goodness, yes, you've been justified by faith. But you know what's so glorious is that we could even go beyond that and we can glory in tribulation because we know what the goal is. I feel like the Western church has forgotten that goal in some regard. Tribulation comes at times so that it can produce perseverance. And that perseverance would come so that we develop character. And that character would be there so that we have hope. Now, what is the hope? It's not like I hope for a million dollars. It's the eternal hope. It says right here, the hope does not disappoint because of the love of God. The hope is really understanding the depths of the love of God. Now, this is a very kind of unique kind of word uh, because I, I think there's a couple things that are going on. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic in any regards. Uh, the scriptures call us to be hopeful, but also sober-minded. Sober okay? And so I'm not meaning, and I don't think it's necessarily a doom and gloom message, but, you know, we were, I was just talking to even Mark uh, during the week, and it was like, you know, so many people are like, oh, it's going to be 2021, as if we all wake up on January 1st and everything from 2020 is over. No, it, it doesn't quite work that way, right? So, yes, it's something to be hopeful for. It's a new year. It's like a clean slate, I guess, but, you know, things kind of continue, right? And so, there's a couple of things that I think we need to be aware of, and it's really like a lens that we, as 21st century believers, view things, and we view things through largely a 21st century lens, and largely from a Western American lens, where if I look around the room, I would be pressed to find anyone that was old enough to be aware of some of the most grotesque atrocities of the 20th century. Right? If I talk to my grandmother, who's 97, who passed away this past summer, she remembers seeing the Holocaust on the big screen. She remembers seeing the, the, the dropping of the atomic bomb. She remembers the 80 million people that Joseph Stalin killed and the 120 million people that Mao Zedong killed underneath communism. Like, she saw that. Like, she saw it on, in real time, you know what I mean? Obviously, she was in the Soviet Union or China, but, like, it's almost like, wow, like, we have had it so well for so long, which is great in some ways, 
But there's a scripture here, and there's lots of scriptures here that are talking about, wow, actually, during hard times, we can glory in this. When difficult times come, there is a purpose to it. And the purpose is that our character can be molded into the image of, of Jesus. And if there isn't tribulation, of course, our character can be molded into Jesus. It just doesn't always work as well. So, as I said, you know, as believers, we are, we're not to be pessimistic. I mean, it's tremendously hopeful. I mean, Jesus is returned. And not only that, but we have an answer. Amen? We have an answer to the world's difficulties. Um, and we also have a responsibility to bring the kingdom of God to earth through the gospel and through the displaying of the power of the gospel. And so it's, it's interesting. Things can be difficult, but the church, the bride of Messiah, is to rise up and to proclaim the gospel, proclaim the good news. And that's a better version of what the world sees. But I feel, as I'm in prayer with the Lord, I feel that 2021 um, is, is not necessarily going to just magically make everything better. Uh, and I don't want to be pessimistic. I am hopeful, but I also want to be sober-minded. And I personally believe that we're going to be in for a continued rocky stretch. I'm hopeful that that won't happen because that would be nice, but I'm also hopeful that it does happen, because when tribulation and difficulty comes, the church is supposed to be molded into the image of Jesus. And when things are all around us that are difficult, it's a lot easier to show the light of the world to the darkness. And it's very hard to preach the gospel to someone that has everything. Like, why do I need Jesus? You know, I have a 401k, I have a nice house, I have all this kind of stuff, I have health insurance. But when things get difficult the harvest becomes even more plentiful. And so it's interesting. We can kind of look at it in both ways. And with all that being said, you know, 2020, I think, has showed us certain realities. Um, and going into 2021, I think we need to be aware of these realities. One is, is an error uh, for some people that there has been such a focus on solely making our personal situations better that we missed an opportunity to transform Okay? And so what is this? This is a church, this is a movement, this is a culture, this is an individual that is always looking at how to make their individual life better in the natural, right? Like, I want to get the better job, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. You know, we all have our lists. You know, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, pray for it. Look, there's, there are plenty of proof texts in the scripture that articulate that. That there is power in prayer. The Lord wants to give you great things and good things. But, you know, there has been, I believe 2020 has really exposed a lot of this. That there has been a, kind of a hyper-focus on that. That we forgot about part of like one of the main goals of the coming of Jesus. Uh, was not that the fishermen would now have a whole bunch of fish in their net. But that the fishermen would become transformed and become, become fishers of men. Right? And so when we're so externally focused, I'm concerned, and I think it has been a little bit more exposed, that a large party, part of the Western church has been so fixated on that external change that we have lost the notion of an internal transformation to be transformed more into the image of the Lord and to bring his kingdom in that way. 
And so I'm just going to be real with you because I think desperate times or difficult times, we need to be honest with one another and we need to be real with one another. In 2021, I really feel from the Lord that if you continue, whoever you are, I don't know who you are, but whoever you are, I'm speaking to myself. If you refuse to be radically transformed, I want to say this again, if you choose, and these are church as well, and ministries, and church ministries, and denominations, and everything, if we choose to not be radically transformed in the spirit, we will falter. 2020 exposed things. 2021 is beckoning us to be transformed. And if we are not transformed as a person, as whatever denominations you may be a part of, whatever churches you may be a part of, if there is not a radical transformation in this season and in this culture, the bride of Messiah will not be operating in the power that it was called to walk in. Look, this is, this is what's going on here. You know, it's, it's very kind of interesting because, you know, one of the great critiques by Jesus to the Pharisees is you teach the traditions of men as if they were the very oracles of God. It's one of the biggest critiques he has. You brood of vipers! You whitewash tombs, right? You teach the traditions of men as if they were the very oracles of God. And what's very interesting is we take a look at the first century Judaism, the Pharisaic kind of mentality, like, oh man, very traditional. What's very interesting here is in Christianity, by and large, is also extremely traditional. Like, we do things that people have done 2,000 years ago in our faith. That's very traditional. You sitting in rows. Very traditional. You know, little three hymns for 25 minutes, and that's extremely traditional. Paying a guy to go teach you something, it's very traditional. Now, okay, that's fine. There's good things in it, maybe. But what also happens here is because of that, tradition really is the, uh, the opposite of change. And so look, man, most of us, if not all of us, are cut from some kind of traditional cloth. And if you were non-traditional and then you came to faith, everyone tried to make you traditional. And so now we're kind of in a spirit of traditional mentality. And that tradition doesn't necessarily like change. You like to conserve and hold on to the, the norm and the status quo. But that's not Jesus. Now, of course, are there traditional things? Of course, the death, the resurrection, baptism of fire, baptism of, of water, holiness. There is one God. Yes, of course, there are doctrinal things that are, that are not even traditional. They're stamped in the word of God that cannot and will not ever change. But... Some of the cultural trappings of how we like to do things and what we think is right or appropriate or just what we feel comfortable in may hold the church back. These are unprecedented times on planet Earth. Whether you think it should be or not, that's another story. But the reality is, it is. And the church needs to be able to change and be malleable to some extent. And really, I'm telling you right now, I think the real thing that the Lord has put his nerve on is that you and I, we need to change. 
The cat's out of the bag. You have to be transformed if you survive all this craziness on earth. And if we do not be transformed, at best, you'll have no power in the spirit. And at worst, you'll walk away from the faith. But this is very interesting because the scriptures are all about that theme. And it's only really the Western church in the last 100, 150 years that have kind of changed the mentality. It's very interesting. I mean, almost every single story in the good book follows a similar pattern. And here's the pattern. There are challenging times. I mean, come on, like, go through your Bible and be like, this is not a challenging time. That's like every page and every chapter is a challenging time. It's just that the West and America has been blessed or cursed with not having real challenging times for a long time. Now you go, well, I had an individual thing. I lost my job. I get it. But there are, you know, there's programs for you and there's other opportunities. I'm talking about challenging times, right? This book is like a book that could be summarized. There are challenging times and God wants to do something with you. Are you going to be willing to step into that or not? We want to read and be like, how can God give me everything I want? No, there's a challenging time, and almost every story goes this way. There's a challenging time, and then God wants to make a radical and divine change on earth. It's like every single story of the scripture. Things are hard. Things are difficult. God steps in and says, you know what? I want to make a radical, heavenly, divinely change on planet earth. Every story is like this. And the third thing is the majority of mankind is like, nah. Remember Noah? Remember Abraham? Remember David and the nation of Israel? Majority of mankind is like, nah, we're just going to keep things the way they are. We're going to serve Molech, and we're going to serve Baal, and we're going to serve all these things, and, you know, all of that. So the majority of mankind wants to keep things the same. I'm just going to challenge us in the 21st century. How many people in the church are still trying to hold on to a system that's not really working? It's not really working in 2020, in 2021, with everything that is going on. And I'm going to tell you this, not just the systems that the church has, but what is not working inside of you? I want to keep things the same they always have been, and I want to control that experience. That's just a highly micro version of a macro principle. I hope you're following. Next stage, almost every story. God wants transformation. He wants to see transformation for the people. He wants to see transformation for the individual. He wants to see transformation for the nation of Israel. He wants transformation. And he sees some people who are willing to be transformed. The majority don't want to be transformed. majority of people don't want to change. Humans love the path of least resistance. It's part of the reasons for our success. I mean, every invention we've ever made was to create a path of least resistance. Right? I mean, everything. We're brilliant at it. But in the spirit, it's detrimental. 
God looks, he's like, man, I want to partner with humanity. I want to partner with mankind, and I want to bring a transformation to planet Earth. And I want to have that transformation through the transformation of people. This is the story, man. And then what happens here is those that are actually transformed are now used to bring a heavenly perspective to Earth. And then they get written about in the scriptures. That is the formula of almost, if not every single Bible story. So, when God's doing it now, we shouldn't be shocked. You hear what I'm saying? Now look, let's just paint the full theological scripture because this is the point of being truly hopeful. One day, one day, all things will be internally and externally changed. All things will be made perfect. And all things will be brought into redemption with the coming of Jesus. Amen? And we get to be a part of the journey in helping bring that kingdom. But there needs to be some changes and some transformation if you want to take this thing seriously. Right? All right. Now, this concept of man, transformation, and what is being transformed was, I'm going to be honest, was a real struggle. A real struggle for the disciples. A tremendous struggle. They're facing the same thing. The disciples wanted Jesus to transform certain things. And Jesus was like, no, I'm not transforming those things. He was going to transform the things that he was called to transform. To understand this, right? And I've taught on this before. The Christos, the Messiah, in biblical thinking, there are different types. And what I mean by different types, I mean different characteristics of. Okay? In the scriptures and in Jewish thought, uh, there is the one type of characteristic of Messiah known as the Ben Yosef. Ben means son. Yosef is Joseph. That Mashiach, that Messiah, is a suffering servant Messiah. How Joseph was sold off into slavery to his brothers, but then redeemed his brothers at the end. You guys remember the story? So that is a principle. A Messiah that is a servant, a suffering servant, that lays down his will and his wants for his brethren. Then there is the Ben David, the son of David Messiah characteristic. That is the righteous king, right? God said, uh, said unto Abraham, that through your seed, and he says to David, through your seed, you shall have a son that will be on the throne forever. It's that whole returning, redeeming notion of Jesus back to, back to earth. So essentially, this is the big hang-up for the disciples in the first century. And honestly, it's a big hang-up for many Jewish people today. Wait, the Messiah is supposed to be this righteous king Messiah. Remember when the disciples go to Jesus like, when are you kicking out Rome? When are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? He's like, I've not come to do that. Not now. I've come to bring a spiritual kingdom. My kingdom is not of this earth. It's of heaven. Of, of heaven. Even at the last stages, Peter, right, he's freaking out. He cuts off, right, Peter cuts off the ear of the, the centurion. Like, how you can't do this? And Jesus is like, this is not what this is about right now. And so, look, the disciples are in that struggle, and I'm painting this picture because I believe that this has a story of what's going on on planet Earth right now, and it's this. Spiritual kingdom, earthly kingdom, and who and what we're going to replicate. The reality here is this. The God's overarching theme in Scripture is to bring a governmental kingdom. That's his overarching theme. That is that son of David principle. That's what he wants to do, amen? 
And that's what he's going to do. But, like the disciples, we cannot miss the immediate goal. And the immediate goal is going to usher in the kingdom of God. And the immediate goal is to see the goal of your transformation, which is more of that spiritual son of Joseph kind of principle. Let me explain. We will see the return of the Lord when certain things happen. One of the things that's going to happen is the bride is going to be made ready. <laughs> we don't look too ready. You get what I'm saying? People are like, oh, Jesus is returning. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope not. I hope that's not what the Lord is saying we're ready for. The bride is made ready. She's perfumed. She's, she, she's, she's transformed more into the image of the Lord. It's like, oh, come on, if Jesus returns now, let's be honest, if Jesus returns now, he's going to have to like, this is kind of sacrilege, but he's going to have to like, Ask for forgiveness for like so many past generations that were so much more ready. Right? And so this is the thing. The ushering of the kingdom of God in the physical, in his second return, but even seeing it in our communities and in our households and in our careers and our workforce is going to happen when we have that inner transformation that takes place. And I think many have missed the full picture. Yes, we need to bring the kingdom. Yes, we need to preach the gospel. Yes, we need to lay our hands on the sick and see them healed. But ultimately, that is going to be fulfilled completely in his second coming. But the other part of the picture is the kingdom of God needs to come now, yesterday, into you. Now, like it, like it needs to come into us now. Because we're the body. We're the temple of God. And that transformation needs to be manifested inside of your mind, your body, and your soul. And so it just takes me back. If we're thinking so much about making our lives better, making the church and even this church better, we may in fact be, what's the word? We may be missing that inner transformation. And so, yes, yeah, so the, 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 the kingdom of God that's inside of you is, of course, salvation. But man, there's so much more than just that. And I think 2020 is, is, is shaking things up. Second Corinthians, we see it, 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed to the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Part of the kingdom residing on earth is not just, you know, you got saved. It is being transformed into his image. Housing his presence. Housing his glory. And going out and showing people that glory. But it comes through transformation. But we read in Romans 5 that a lot of times transformation comes through difficulty. It doesn't always come through difficulty, but a lot of times it does. And a lot of us want to shake off the, the difficulty and, uh, because it's hard. And, uh, and I'm not talking about like, you know, diseases and, and all that kind of stuff. That, there, there's a balance, right? There are certain principles where the Lord's just like, no, you're going to be healed, right? You're going to be delivered. But there are things in our, in our, in our carnal man 
that has been exposed in 2020 that needs to, that we need to get rid of. I would highly implore you that if the Lord has put a nerve on anything in your life in the last year, those little nerves, those little things that really get you, those little things that drive you nuts, those little failures of character, if you will, he showed you that for a reason. He's given you time to get that in order. And I'm telling you right now, I really do believe that time is coming to a close. We need to be transformed for whatever may be coming down the pike. In 2021, this transformation will be needed more than any other time in your life, I believe. And you can shake it away. We can rationalize the whatever sin culture you may have in your mind or in your, your you know, in your, in, really in your mind. The thing that's been sitting around in the, underneath the carpet for a long time that no one can see and it's not worth even dealing with. I really, really believe and I don't know how to press the seriousness of this. When the fires get hot, everything comes to the top. Come on, it's, it's during COVID and during political nuttiness that, you know, depression went up. Divorce was going up. All these things come up. Because tribulation forces you to face the thing that needs to die. And the church for too long has been hiding it all under the carpet. So I believe a division has come in 2020, which I think we all can probably see that. Division in all things, and I think it's, it's going to become even more apparent. I really believe that the, uh, the plumb line has been dropped in our society. And a plumb line has been dropped in the church at large of what are you building your life on. And I really do believe um, for everyone, um, there really is a big question, and that is where do you stand? I'm not talking about saved and not saved, please. You, you learn that when you're you know, new in the faith. I'm talking about where do you stand on many, many things with the Lord. Do you believe in the power of the resurrection? Do you believe in the power of resurrection in your life? That the sins and the chains that were holding you back, that we make excuses for, that Satan speaks into our mind is okay. Do you believe in the power of the resurrection to resurrect yourself by the Lord into a new creation. That you, in fact, can be molded into his image daily. And all the old things of the old man can die. Do you believe that or not? I mean inside, man. Because most of us will say that we believe it, but we will not face it. It's easy to say it. But I'm telling you, in 2020 and 2021, it's going to be not good enough to say it. You're not going to be able to hide it anymore. It's all coming up. And you can either address it now in repentance. I'm telling you, prophetically, you will falter. We got we to gotta, you know, trim the fat. We got to clean the ship. We got to get into battle shape. And so, you know, Proverbs 29, 18 says it this way. 
Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. What we have here is um, in, in the, the word vision, when there is no vision, um, the, the Proverbs is not talking about like, you know, the church plan for 2021. Okay? The Hebrew word vision right there is the Hebrew word chazon. Chazon is a prophetic revelation. This is not like what is the administrator's plan for the church in the year 2021. This is not what is the pastor's plan of how we're going to roll out blah, 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 blah in 2021. That is not what this scripture is saying. That's the carnal mind that wants to run a church like a business. This is without a prophetic revelation from the Holy Ghost, the people will cast off straight, restraint. The people will falter. You need a revelation by the Holy Ghost. I'll be very careful with the judgment, but there are churches that don't have that revelation. And they're beginning to falter. They're faltering. Our brothers and sisters, those that are part of the bride of Messiah. And it's only on, it's, it's like the oven is just being preheated. And already the people perish, not because they don't have a business plan, because they did not receive a revelation from the throne of God. And I'm telling you for this church, and I would be so dare to say, for the greater church at large, 2021 is, the revelation is, it is time to stop hiding the sins. It's, stop, it's time to stop hiding the worries. It's time to stop hiding the anxieties and all the things of the flesh and all of the things of the carnal. Because things, in fact, may be actually potentially getting worse. But maybe not. But I do know this, that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope, love. We can't see Jesus manifested in us until we really lay down the, the inner tribulation, the things in our lives that have to go. The things that we have been making excuses for, for our entire spiritual lives. You know what the Lord is putting his finger on right now. I don't have to say it. You all know. You all know, because right now the Holy Ghost is like, yeah, this. Now, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The light comes to expose, remember from several weeks ago, but once it's exposed, if you run away, if you run away from facing this thing because you don't want the tribulation internally, well, then you're in darkness. But if you gravitate to light, and you're like, man, I'm exposed, open, Lord, come and take this thing from me. I want to be battle ready. 2020 boot camp, 2021 is the war. 2020 is boot camp. 2021 is a war. There are plenty of churches and believers who can't even handle boot camp. You can't even handle boot camp. Shooting blanks. I'm telling you, I feel the Lord strongly on this. And we need to shit, we got we to shape up, right? Shape up, shape up, whatever it is. Because his bride is, is being made ready. Sorry, this isn't like, you know, Jesus is going to give you everything you want in 2021. I think that was what most people were saying in 2019 to 2020. Gosh, almighty. 
2020, the year of vision. The Lord's going to bestow upon you all this kind of stuff. I, I think he can and will bestow upon us on the stuff when we are being transformed through the difficulty. He still bestows upon us good things even in 2020. I was just talking to Ruth. Like, I'm not trying to be boastful, but a thing I boast in the Lord. It's like 2020 has been an awesome year for my family. Sorry for those that it hasn't been, but I boast in the Lord, as Paul says. The church is bringing in more finances than ever. My family's doing better than ever. I'm in at more peace and more relaxed than ever in my life. And it's not that the Lord loves me more than you. Everyone has their own little race to go through. But I remember, oh, I, could, I would go back to the spring, Easter time, Passover time. I gave messages. I gave a very similar message. And I was like, Lord, you're speaking to me about X, Y, and Z. I'm laying it down now at the beginning of COVID. And I laid it down, and it was like, Laying in the bottom of a boat with Jesus. It's all the waves around me. It's like, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good because difficulty brings transformation. And I want to actually be transformed, Lord. I don't want just the easy life. If I wanted the easy life, I would have picked a different religion. I want fellowship with Christ. To know the pain of his suffering, of the crucifixion, Paul says. It's like, man, because, it, because the difficulty brings a transformation. But if you don't want to be transformed, it's like, oh, I got to do another lap? Yeah, do another lap so you get a little fitter. Oh, I got to do another rep? Yeah, do another rep. You know, get a little tougher. All right. The hiding is over. And now we're going to get into a little bit more sensitive things. We're not really in this crowd. Brad, you mind lowering that? Speaking of difficulties, getting a little hot in here. <laughs> All right. The hiding is over, and I think this is another level to it. And uh, if anyone is watching online or anyone's here who's, who's maybe not used to a church like this, this, is, this, is, might, this might be a lot. This might be a lot. So if you have questions, you can, you can email Josh. Galatians 5.23, I think this is part of the hiding, because I, I, think, I think essentially what's going on, for those of you that are a little bit in the know and the word, I think people in the church at large have, have spent a lot of time hiding behind the fruits of the Spirit and hiding behind the gifts of the Spirit. We'll talk about that in a moment. Right? Galatians 5.23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Man, that is beautiful right there. Until you have to get that. Lord, please, I pray, let me learn long-suffering. When's the last time you prayed that? Lord, please give me the new career. Lord, please give me this. Lord, let me speak in tongues. Lord, let me be able to do this. Let me be able to heal the sick, Lord. When's the last time you prayed, Lord, I want to learn patience and long-suffering. So I can be molded into the image of Christ. I want your fruit. Oh, I know, right? It's like, that doesn't really happen. Well, anyhow, these characteristics are known as the fruits of the Spirit, for those that are maybe a little newer to the faith or it's been a while. Right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, long-suffering, goodness, well, et cetera, right? 
Now, the other thing here is that there's another piece of the puzzle. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. And this might be the part that some guests that are watching online may, may have some questions about. So this is Paul speaking again. And now he says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Now let's slow things down. To yet, Because everyone's okay with those. Kind of, unless you don't know what they really mean. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Like, it says miracles. To another, prophecy. It says prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, nowhere does it say it just stopped and we don't do that anymore. Actually, you can't find that anywhere. Yeah, it doesn't say, it doesn't say anywhere that, like, these gifts now stop. Oh, yeah, you're being sarcastic on it now. Yeah, like, it doesn't say anywhere, like, hey, you know, this is only for the first century, for the apostles and all that, and then it's going to be over. It doesn't say that anywhere. But what are these things? These things are known as the gifts of the Spirit. So there's two camps that I think are, have been hiding Two camps that I've been hiding. One camp says the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. Or, you know, we just, like, won't encourage them. Like, we'll just, like, we'll believe them theologically, but they keep everything cool and calm and collective in church. We're not going to use them. We're not going to emphasize them. And I'm just going to encourage you, and we have a dialogue about it. If, if that's your camp, that's simply not a biblical view. You cannot find it in Scripture anywhere. Gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. Nowhere does it say it's going to end. In fact, it says the opposite. It's a gift for all of your children, generation after generation. So you probably have a bigger issue with how the gifts have been displayed. Maybe there isn't appropriate leadership that is doing things in the right order. Or maybe you just want to live a safe Christian life and anything that's a little wacky, you're like, I don't want to be a part of that. Thank the Lord that the disciples did not choose that. Right? But now, for probably most of the people in this house, a focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and not also a focus on the fruits of the Holy Spirit is also not a biblical view. I and the Lord, I'm sure, care, rather, the Lord really does not care about your little gifting of the Spirit if you don't have any fruit. It's clanging symbols. It's worthless. It's ridiculous. And I believe there's been a lot of people that have been hiding behind the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Look at my gifting. I can lead worship or I can preach or I can heal the sick through the Spirit. And they do all of this. And this is what happens, right? People do these things and they have no character. They have no fruit of the Spirit and they falter and they fail and it becomes an adultery campaign or becomes this or that because they have no fruit and you can get by off a of talent come on man if you're a good musician the holy ghost hasn't blessed you with a gift you can get by we can get jimmy hendrix up here to play a couple hymns and it's gonna be unbelievable but man he's so anointed no he's not he's not anointed he's talented anointing is different you can get sewn up here to, to 
preach that's got like all these degrees and knows all this stuff and can say all this kind of stuff and it could be like, wow, it was amazing, very informative. And you get some guy that's coming out of like Kenya or Jordan or Iran who, who could barely speak English that says like five sentences and you're just like, whoom. It comes with gift and power and the spirit. Now, I'm going to be honest. Who cares about your fruit if you have no power? Who cares about your long-suffering? Like, you want me to become, become a part of this faith, and you're teaching long-suffering and joy? Yes. Well, you know what? The Buddhists do that, too. And yoga teaches that as well. And New Age teaches that as well. So why would I choose this? Because fruit and gift need to merge together to have a demonstration of power. Paul himself says, hey man, in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, I came to you not with eloquence of words. I, I, I did not come to you with long-suffering and love and patience. I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Can you imagine if church, like, resumes to be, like, become a pastor was like, I don't care about your degree. Do you have any power? Do you have any actual power in the Holy Ghost? How many people have you prayed for and seen them healed? Because Paul is a very learned man, and he's like, I can't even speak well. But I came to you with the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is what I'm saying. In 2021, if you haven't learned it yet, both worlds need to come together. If you've been hiding behind your little gifting, you better get some fruit, man. And if you've been hiding about the fruit like I'm just a really good Christian, holy cow, you better get some fire. Because you're not going to last. No, you'll last. I, I think you'll last with the fruits of the Spirit. Let me cry. I think you will last. I think you'll last. Because you have long-suffering, patience, and love. But you won't have any impartation. Right? Someone has long-suffering. They're, they're going to go through tribulation. they got long-suffering. But they don't have any power of impartation. They're not going to grow the kingdom of God. They're not going to demonstrate the Lord's kingdom on planet Earth. They're not going to usher in the return of Christ. It's people. So, Mary, I want you to come on down, I think. If anything, we'll just make people think we're almost done, so they'll, like, they'll pop up again. Here we go. <clears throat> I, I really do believe that what the Lord is speaking uh, for this battle plan. Yes, these are the things that I've been saying, but to just encourage that and increase a little bit more, I really do believe that in 2020 there has been an exposure of character and gifting and the difference between them. And it's not just for a big-name ministry. It's also for churches. And I think, really, it's for individuals. And I think this is going to be very, very important going forward. If you're gifting, you're gifting a leading ahead of your character. Whether you speak in tongues, prophecy, or you can play the guitar real well, or you can speak real well, or you're a really good mother and a really good father, and that's your gifting and your family. Whatever your gifting is. If your gifting leads ahead of your character, you're going to get a King Saul. King Saul had a gifting. 
He was called to be the king of Israel. And he becomes king, but then he has no character. And because he has no character, he begins to defame the name of the Lord. And he searches out other gods, and he actually even tries to kill off his son-in-law. And eventually dies on his own sword. And everything that built him up, he dies on. Isn't that funny? You see that like in the church world. You build up your gifting, and you're like this mega preacher, or this mega this, that, and the other thing, but you have no character, and you die on your own gifting. It will kill you. Whatever gift the Lord has, has given you, it, it, it will kill you. Unless you have character. Like, why do celebrities get into so much mess? They have a tremendous amount of gifting and very limited character. And the gifting, the money, the prestige gets them. King Saul. Next. Your character leading ahead of your gifting. Who you are. A little bit like that fruits of the spirit. The long-suffering. The love. The gentleness. Like, all of that kind of stuff is what I mean. Essentially, like the fruits. The character is like really the fruits of the spirit. If the fruits of the spirit, if your character is leading ahead of your gifting, what's going to happen here is you're going to get King David. He's appointed king because of his character. Right? The Lord saw his faithfulness. He saw what he learned. He lo- learned long-suffering. He learned all these things. And he becomes king. But what's going to happen here, of course, is like, well, what happens if over time, and I think this is where the church is at right now, and maybe many of you who have been in the faith for a long period of time, it's this, letting the gifting slowly and eventually outpacing your character. Like you started well, you had great character, great fruits of the spirit, but now what happens here is you put so much focus on, on, on whatever it may be, the gifting that you have. It could be literally gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for someone to see them healed. But you have no character. You started well with character, but it got to your head. Does that make sense? Or like you're a really good construction guy, and, or it goes wrong. You're really good at welding. And you got a promotion because of your character before your bosses, but then your character starts to wane. What do you get when that happens? Well, you get King David again. 2 Samuel 11. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened. Then it happened. One evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Who or what? Is your Bathsheba? David started so well. Penning the Psalms, sitting by a waterfall, knowing the Lord, knowing his voice. 
such character. And then a gifting came. A gifting came to his head. This is a story not just about adultery and murder. That's like Christianity 101. In case anyone doesn't know, do not commit adultery and do not murder anyone. That's not what this story is about. It is, but there's a deeper meaning. David hid, David hid from his gifting. He was a king. He was gifted to fight. But he hid because he wanted ease and he thought he was better than that. He could just sit on the rooftop. But for us, it is a man or a woman in faith who hides from the gifting that the Lord has given them. Or they don't even know what it is. Or they don't want to pursue it. Because they're freaked out by giftings. Thank you. Now what happens here is he, David hides because his character began to wane. That's why his eye went astray. And because his character waned, his gifting and his authority begin to wane. And became a shell of a man. And a shell of a king. And when the warriors went out, he sat back. And pursued what he wanted to pursue. In the scripture verse, it's like, holy cow. Like, what was heaven saying? David! It's a time for kings to go out to war. But David sat back because he had no character. It's us, guys. Here's a battle. There's a war. And so many people in the church are like, I'm beloved of God. And I'm a child of God. I'm just going to sit on the rooftop. And I'm going to chill. It's like, I, I see heaven looking at David when Israel's about to go out to fight. And heaven is scratching their heads saying, where is the boy who slayed Goliath? The man, the young boy audacity to stare at a giant and said, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? You come at me with the armies of the earth, but I come after you with the God of heaven's armies. The boy with character picked up the slingshot. The one that allowed the gifting and, and the, 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 the richnesses of life, of culture, get to his head is one who sits on the roof. And his eye goes astray. And I'm telling you that today we need to really buckle in here. What is your Bathsheba? It's not the adultery. It's not the murder. It's the thing. It's the thing that's inside of you that you're not laying down yet because you're saying, oh, man, you know, I am beloved of the Lord. Yes, David knew he's beloved of the Lord. David means beloved. I'm just going to chill out. I'm not going to work on myself. I'm not going to transform. I'm not going to go to war anymore. I'm not going to face the demons. I'm not going to face the difficulties. Because I'm the king. I'm the beloved one. I don't have to do that anymore. If that doesn't sound like the Western church, I don't know what does. We've been getting spiritually fat on the leeks and the stakes of Egypt. We forgot what it means to go to war and to face our demons inside of us. Closing up, 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. 
So now David is approached by the prophet Nathan about the adultery, about the murder. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin and you shall not die because David repents. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child that is in Bathsheba's womb that you have planted there, who is to be born shall surely die. And then Nathan departed to his house. The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. But then the child dies. Woo! Let's spiritualize this. David produced something. We can produce something outside of our own character and gifting. It could seem to be good. It could seem to have life. But really what's happening here is the manifestation of the church. And the church is calling in 2020. And I'm afraid that in 2021 that the manifestation of that life is being destroyed. Because we're producing something that is not garnished in character and gifting. But only pleasure. And in our lives, we need to get this right. What in my life needs to go? Something can be produced in my life that has vitality and has impact. Because this only happens when David chooses not to go out and fight, to face the enemy, to hide in the palace. I feel the word for this year. There are too many churches and too many Christians that are hiding in the palace and the mansion of the Lord up on high. That we are choosing not to face the internal fight that needs to be confronted if we want to be a shepherd boy again. And so it's beautiful because of David's heart. Why don't you stand and we're going to get out of this. David is approached by Nathan. And we have an opportunity right now. David is approached by Nathan and he fasts. We're going to do, can we do build my life actually? Sorry. Bro. <laughs> he fasts. He repents. Psalm 51 is the psalm after he gets busted in 2 Samuel. Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Rejoice unto me the joy of my salvation. And he gets right with the Lord. David fasted, he repented, Psalm 51, and he gets right with the Lord. He gets right with the Lord. And then what happens? 2 Samuel 12. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. The thing that was not supposed to live must die. You can't return back to it. You can't return back to those ways. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife now, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. 
You, I, and the church in America, God is asking, which child shall you produce? Shall we produce the son of adultery or the son of repentance? Shall we produce a child that is hiding behind your giftings or even your fruit? Acts 2.36 Peter Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do? And Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said to them repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Lord, we come before you and we want to be a bride that has been made ready. Lord, we don't want to hide behind our giftings and we don't want to even, peculiar enough, hide behind the fruit. Lord, we want to confront and see the full gospel in our lives so that we can see the full gospel like in the book of Acts. Lord, I pray forth right now for this church and this body to be a one that repents before you, that says, I've allowed too much of a sin culture to be in my heart. I've allowed too much to be there. I've allowed too much to be swept under the rug, but I just want to come before you and I desire, oh Lord, like Psalm 51, I desire, Lord, to be transformed. To be transformed. And yes, it's about you being transformed, but without us being transformed, you're not going to have an Acts 2 where people repent and people are baptized and the kingdom of God goes forth. I'm telling you, I'm telling you from the Lord. I usually don't do this, but I'm telling you from the Lord. People get ready. You gotta get ready. The Lord's heart is saying in 2021, you have to simply let the flesh die. You can't hide anymore. He's got his finger on a nerve right now. Only you and him know. Whatever it is, right now, I'm telling you, there's a moment and there's anointing the Holy Spirit to give it to him. To just say, I'm done, Lord. Just take the things of my heart that are not of you. I need to lay them down. I want to be transformed. I want to see the kingdom in my heart so they can go out to the nations and go out to our country. And so I can see people in a difficult time, an even more difficult time that's coming. To receive the joy of the Lord. To know long suffering. To know peace and patience. And know the power. And see the power of laying your hands on the sick and see them healed. That's the battle plan. You got to be transformed, people. The church has to be transformed. So if you got something, if 
you got something in that, in that nerve inside of your spirit, you know it just needs to go. It needs to go. I'm going to call you up. And I'm going to pray with you. And if we have a lot of people coming up, then maybe we'll get some more people. But we need to lay this down. I hate to even say it this way. It's almost like I don't even care anymore about you struggling with it, although I would love for you to get free. But it's like, man, you've been struggling with this for 20 years. Fine, man. You've made your own stinking bed. I can't fix your bed. The only way you can fix the bed is to expose what's going on. But my heart is burning, dare I say, not for you, one of the sheep of this church. My heart is going out for the person and the soul out there that needs to be impacted by your transformation. You're at least saved. You may be struggling with porn. You may be struggling with this. You may be struggling with greed or compulsive behavior. You may be struggling with that, but at least you're saved. There's people out there that need you. They need you to take the cross. They need you to pick up the cross. They need to see Jesus in you. They need to be touched by the power of the Holy Ghost by you, not by me. I'm one person. You're a hundred people. We need to get ready. We need to bring the harvest for Jesus is coming soon maybe to the earth but once someone dies they're going to see Jesus real soon come on build my life I know it's a little longer if you got to go please there's no pressure let's just sit here for a moment and I'm just going to encourage people to come down it will be private we'll shut the camera off no one's going to see we're going to pray for this thing to die